Okay, Mr. Andre, I have a weird, partly technical and partly philosophical question for us to explore today, which will be phrased in the highly colorful and metaphorical language as, will the internet swallow itself? The Ouroboros. Yes, exactly. Exactly. The snake that eats its tail and turns itself inside out. So... I do not know enough to really answer this question. It's just sort of like at the tangent of the sort of things I pay attention to, the possibility occurred to me for the first time. And you know more about this stuff, both how it works and how to think about these things. So I'm going to hand it over to you once I I state the problematic as I see it, which is probably wrong. Okay? Well, I'm, I have a couple of uh, initial, initial images that come to mind. One is of the paperclip maximization machine. And there's this old um, story in the world of um, artificial intelligence or manuf- and once you get sentient robots or something that they will start making some uh, thing like a paperclip and since they're only programmed to, to do paperclips they'll turn the entire world into paperclips. Right, isn't there also a fear that like nanotechnology will turn the whole known planet into gray goo? Yeah, that's gray- another it's another iteration of the same issue and that the technologies like this are dumb. Um, uh, there's an evolutionary component to them as well, which would make it unlikely that the entire world would be covered in paperclips. But it is true that something like um, the so-called artificial intelligence does and, and can produce, uh, like um, the Sorcerer's Apprentice oh, and, yeah, right. and Fantasia, uh, a infinity of um, increasingly useless and, in fact, even damaging iterations of itself. Right. Or in the uh, Thursday Next novels by Jasper Ford, everything gets turned into Strawberry Dream Whip at some point. Right. It's They're all iterations of the same problem. Right. So, <laughs> so the reason why this has come to my attention recently is because, as we talked a few episodes back, about the AI taking a huge leap forward, in a sense, with ChatGPT. And, and Dolly and yeah, a couple other Yeah, all these, well. these kind of things, right? And um, at first, um, as I mentioned before, too, the sudden flooding of the Amazon Kindle store with AI-generated books. Right. Um, and But that even that isn't so much it. It was an offhand remark that one of the commentators I was listening to said that within a few years, we should expect that 90% of the internet will be generated by AI. And I guess they took this as like kind of a promising thing, like curation is all the more important. Like the uh, Kevin Kelly talked about this too, as curation will become one of the central values you can use to raise money because there's going to be so much junk out there. And another argument is like, well, all the more reason to like as a creative or entrepreneur having your own website so when people find out about you they can go direct to you because basically they're never going to find you by organic search again organic search is over but with ai even pay to play is over we're going to be flooded and so as i started thinking about that i just thought if there's basically okay so so here this is where we verge into the philosophical territory jaron linear says that fundamental problem of the utopians who created the internet is that they built it so it would cost nothing. Mm. But the problem is because it costs nothing and because there's now with something like AI less friction than ever in generating content, basically there is no barrier to such a flood that perhaps the internet will eat itself. 
Well, I'd like to just counter that by saying that the internet has been trying to eat itself from the very beginning. <laughs> okay, fair enough. Uh, and I say this because uh, from the beginning there have been there's been a problem with uh, spam. Mm, um, right, right, right. Um, so the spam problem is a significant one, um, but it's a subset of the larger paperclip problem, which is that uh, machines tend to produce reproduce um, things, and there is a a kind of market disequilibrium that goes on. Because the cost of sending an email uh, is so low, um, it, the spammer can send out tens of millions of them um, for very little. And even if the click-through rate is one in a million, he still makes money. Speaking of which, I you know how I just bragged to you on a recent episode that I never get spam yeah. in my paid Gmail account? Right. Literally, I just got an email yesterday from a Ugandan peasant in distress asking for money. I have, wow. I have gotten in the past month or two months two or three spams a week in my Gmail account, which I have not gotten before. I'm surprised. That in your free Gmail account. Yeah, I'm surprised that they're getting through. Um, yes. Do you think that's related to the rise of sudden rise of AI? Maybe they uh, have I, figured out how to get around Google's spam filters? Uh don't know. It, that could it could be it, but the spam filters are also learning things. So um, uh, it is a kind of arms race. So, but what I was just going to say is spam from the beginning has been a problem, and and from the beginning, quite a lot of the internet has been dedicated to things that are um, uh, vampires. Let's just say right. uh, they are sucking the blood out of the system. And you, like you said, it's related to the costlessness because it costs virtually nothing to send an email. Right, and it's not. And I don't. That costlessness problem is not going to completely go away because, like electricity, the amount of data, uh, the demand for data over the the fiber optic cables that make up the world telecommunications network is not a stable demand. It it, it varies quite a lot from hour to hour, from place to place. So obviously, in the middle of the night. Um, it's only computers that are talking to each other for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and at uh, 9 and 8 in the evening, when everybody's watching their Netflix or whatever, the, mm -hmm. the, the bandwidth is full. Right. And so even if you have, uh, say, a full internet at 8 p.m., well, it's going to be mostly empty at, at 3 in the morning. And so there's and during that low bandwidth period, you could fill it with lots of spam. Or, in right. <laughs> uh, the, the same way that... Um, it, it's cheaper to run your um, clothes dryer in the middle of the night than it is during the middle of the day in many places. Uh, so that, anyway, that problem is not necessarily going to go away. Uh, but one of the issues is is that using or ban uh, data, so to speak, is free. We have an, we have a fiber optic internet connection where we live, and uh, we have a, a pretty fast connection. And it's, I mean, that's thousands of times more than we. I mean, if we we if we were to use it all the time at full. Throttle, obviously, we'd get banned. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but um, but we, we use just a, just a very tiny fraction of the capacity of the network, at least at our local level. Mm -hmm. um, but we don't get paid. We don't have to pay anything for it. We can, whether we download 100 gig, one terabyte or whether we do 5 gigabytes or 500 mm -hmm. megabytes, we, we pay the same price, basically. Um, mm -hmm. um, so we don't pay for that information. So there's no there's no cost for the gen for it to be generated, uh, and so when this what um, Zara here is uh, talking about is if there is an exponential increase in um, AI generated content, whether that be 
uh, videos or um, text really isn't going to do it. Text really just doesn't, just doesn't have enough heft to it to, to right. uh, at least at this point to, to, to flood the internet. Um, but the question is, how much more um, of the bandwidth will be used uh, by this new flood of information that's coming coming through? Right. So I'm, I'm just wondering, like, so there's the the capacity to fill it up, and there's now something to generate stuff to fl- fill it up with. And so you kind of, to me, I was just wondering, adding that to the, like, mental exhaustion and attention drain happening to people, and the fact that it's going to be harder to tell what is real. And I'm just wondering, I'm hoping human distrust grows in what is sent to them. That's assuming that we don't collaborate and make ourselves less human to meet AI and make it look better, which is another thing Jaron Lanier warns about. It just seems to me entirely possible that the internet is just going to become like more of a junkyard <laughs> than it ever ever was to the point that maybe it will discredit. I, what, I don't know. Do you see what I'm trying to get at yeah, here? I, I, yes. I, I've experienced this... Um, in the past several years on Amazon and its marketplace. Right. Oh, yeah. That's because, a good example. Uh, it's a good example because a lot of the stuff in Amazon that they're flogging is there because people are paying to to put it up in the rankings and in the searches so it, it's put in front of you. Um, and a lot of it is just noise. It's noise and it's garbage, and you can't trust it, and you can't trust reviews. Um, there is a whole oh, right. uh, a site called that I signed that I go to um, or have gone to in the past, looking for especially like electronics. Electronics are like because yeah. <laughs> the ones they have on Amazon. I mean, they all get like four. Everything gets four stars. Like all restaurants on they all get Yelp stars. are between three point nine and four point two. Yeah, well, that, that's sort of I'm like fine. it's sort of like the A minus and contemporary <laughs> schools or B plus or whatever. Everything is there, um, but. Um, you can't trust the reviews, uh, and so there's a place called Fake Spot, I believe. And you, I've mentioned this before, but you put in the Amazon um, the whatever code, the, the URL, and it analyzes it and gives gives it a grade as to whether these are honest reviews or whether these are bot reviews. Okay, but isn't the whole point here that as AI gets better, it will be better at generating genuine looking? Right, reviews, because, because, so that even that right, will stop yes, working. That will to stop the point working. That people right. will stop trusting review sites altogether. Stop trusting Amazon. That's what I'm curious: is if actually yes. AI gets so good at imitating yeah. that it just yeah, cuts I, the legs well, out from everything. Well, this is already starting to happen. I mean, it started a couple, even ten years ago with the hipsters and their obsession with um, with uh, vinyl, right? Getting vinyl. Um, oh yeah, right. Uh, don't want a digital copy that is um, infinitely reproducible. You want something that has a life to it and that degrades over time and that has. Um, you know, it's more like the organisms from which it produced. And now, and now, but, but don't I've, vinyl fans also say that the sound quality is better? That's part of it, but there's a metaphysical aspect of it as, it as well. Right. It's it's more it's the physical act, has become the metaphysical. physical, <laughs> right? But in the case of Amazon, the, the the web store for electronics is basically useless, and no, you unless you know the brand mm-hmm. exactly what you're looking for. And there, in Amazon, you need to be careful, caveat emptor, because. A lot of the brands on Amazon are fake, right? So this is right. when you read the reviews. Obviously, this is this plagues quite a number of non-products. But I doubt, for example, Apple. I, bout, I doubt an Apple being sold on Amazon is going to be faked. That seems unlikely. Why? Uh, it's just harder to fake Apple oh, because okay. they're actually good, and um, it's enough money that um, people will complain about it. Um, 
right. pretty seriously. So it would have to be an actual scam. You, you don't have a sustainable fakie business. You have a one-time scam, and then you have to start from right. scratch. Right, and, and Amazon is always – they're always on the lookout. They don't, they don't want to become known for this, right? So they're, Okay, so maybe I should modify my question. I wonder if – so I've also heard a lot of, like, in the creative space talking about the shift to direct sales right. where you're smaller scale, you're only representing yourself, you can have an actual relationship with right. your buyer, fan, whatever. Right. So I wonder if it's actually the aggregate marketplaces that are going to be most damaged by the AI flood? Yes, they are going to be because it's just just as social media um, reached its peak, and I think we could say that online sales kind of reached their peak in the post-pandemic period. Um, I think that the I think that what we're going to see is, is take this prediction for for a, a grain of salt. Um, but I, I think people will start realizing, and I have started realizing the benefit of of real salespeople. Right, for example, yeah. um, a shop. That is obsessed with uh, Matryoshka dolls, <laughs> and has vetted all the world's Matryoshka dolls and the Matryoshka doll makers, and knows which ones are the best, and um, has direct contacts with with the suppliers, mm-hmm. and um, is able to link up buyer and seller, and uh, as the as the real middleman in a way that is a, takes a curatorial function, and for which people. Tired of wasting their time scrolling through Amazon, trying to find something that actually is what it says it is and is quality and won't arrive at them in in pieces and be a disappointment. Um, People will pay extra for the retailer to do that curating for them. So that's really interesting because I remember when I was a younger person and discovering the internet, the great thing is that it saved time. Like You didn't have to like drive to the store, see if they had the thing, go to the next store, see if they had the thing. You could just go, boom, find it, buy it. It was sent to you. But now it seems like time is going to be eaten up again, wading through the AI flood, the fake reviews, the... Uh, pay-to-play advertisements, the scam versions of the real thing you're trying to get, and um, maybe what one could hope a happy aftermath of lockdown is people saying, you know what, I actually want to support in-person businesses again. And if it's a little bit of a markup, you know, it's worth it not to wade through the AI. Or even in online business. So, for example, I um, uh, wanted to to up our security. I uh, bought our family a set of security keys mm-hmm. uh, by a company called Ubico, mm-hmm. uh, and they are based out of Sweden, and they generate FIDO-compliant universal two-factor security keys, which we'll talk about on a separate um, When I finally come to <laughs> terms with them, yes, that's what's taking time. Uh, they're, they're very simple. Um, no, they're not. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and the gold standard for um, credential login security. Uh, but I didn't want to get them. I realized I didn't want to get them at, at, at Amazon, mm-hmm. uh, partly because if you buy them from Amazon, then of course Amazon knows that I have these things, right? Um, and they know that I'm upping my security, and it just—I don't know—they uh, know enough. Self-defeating. Well, whatever. And so I just said, okay, I'll just go right to the company. And so lo and behold, for a lot of quality brand name products, it means with brand, this is where the usefulness of brands sort of um, is becomes apparent. What you buy on their website. And the price on Amazon or on other online retailers is usually not very different. Um, you might pay for shipping. That'd be, right. That would be the, the distance. So I, w- I was buying enough that the shipping was for free anyway, uh, and they're just little tiny little things that just came in an envelope. So the, right. the cost was the cost difference was negligible, and I said I would rather just buy it directly. Um, so for a lot of things, um, that's a perfectly reasonable thing to do, and I, I provided them with um, uh, a 
uh, privacy.com card numbers and I put in a fake billing address and name um, and had it delivered to a, a non-home address. Uh, so um, there's no nothing connecting that order to my person. Mm. So, cool. um, right. Uh, so that would be one example that you of, of something you can do. You can just go directly to the seller, and there are mm. plenty of sellers who would rather do this because mm-hmm. the, they get they, they get more for themselves, and then you reward them for the quality of their product directly rather than indirectly. Mm. So, what do you think about the AI flood in? things like news or opinion pieces or style pieces, whatever, do you think there's any hope that people will, as they gradually realize the stuff is being automatically generated, there isn't actually a personal voice behind it, that it will, you know, turn attention towards curated or direct or personal sources? I, I, I don't really know. I mean, I'm not, I don't really pay attention too much to that kind of uh, news and content. But I, I do know that um, it seems to me that uh, the, the news, the mainstream news has become shadow algorithmically generated mm. because they're writing to compete with social media and its attention algorithms, the way that content is presented, and um, not maybe not just the presentation, but also the content to some degree, has been tailored to get attention in the way that the social media algorithms have determined it. So in some ways, right. already, that media is being uh, looked at more suspiciously by more and more people because it just feels... Clickbaity, clickbaity, or sensational, or um, well, propagandistic, yeah. or it just doesn't feel right. You know, even mainstream places that are really mainstream, even you know, like newswire services and stuff, just have this samey. Meh, you know, it depends on what the subject is, but it just it's. I just I just get the sense. Um, again, I'm not a great consumer of news, but. Um, I get the sense that people are that there is a market for people who are tired of that, mm-hmm. and the growth and the monetization of independent news media mm-hmm. um, represents, I think, a hunger for people uh, of people for more kind of in-depth and less algorithmically curated content that's longer and maybe less sure of itself, but more exploratory. Um, and if you look at the popularity of really long podcasts and right. conversations like this one, um, but others that go on for hours and hours, mm. I mean, I, I think there is clearly a market for that kind of stuff. Right. And I don't think um, a four-hour conversation with ChatGPT <laughs> day after day. No. I don't know. Maybe, maybe that might be interesting as a novelty, but I can't get. I don't think it's at this point going to be um, compelling. You were telling me about like training chatbots on each other. They quickly turned into incomprehensible garble. Yeah, that was a, an article a few years ago. Apparently, Facebook was trying to do not just not just um, uh, artif- not just uh, um, algorithmic learning, but like deep learning on language. So they would right. deep learning. I guess the difference there is that. This is how Google trained its AI to play Go. Mm. And so Go has a very strict set of rules. It's algorithmic. It is algorithmic. Mm -hmm. So 
then they just had the machine play against itself. Right. Like there was no human. It was just playing, playing, playing billions and trillions and quadrillions right. of different games and permutations right. and learning from it as it. But right. with language, um, if you set computer two computers speaking algorithmic English with each other, pretty soon instead of saying, um, instead of using the plural, what they figured out is you would say the the. <laughs> And then like the, the then we're like the 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 the, the because <laughs> like it turned out like it was like repeating words and right. it became completely incomprehensible within like minutes. That's amazing, yeah. Which I think is the fundamental difference between language and numbers. Yeah, uh, yeah. But oh, okay. So well, we can wrap this up now. But I guess I just want to end with again the more philosophical question of: Is there something fundamentally metaphysically misguided about things that cost nothing or too little? that there's something about the nature of reality, um, which like economists might call trade-offs and other things you might call exchange. But um, one thing can become another, but there is always a cost. And so if things are made available, something like the internet is too cheap. Is there actually something like intrinsically wrong about that kind of freeness or too cheapness that is going to lend itself to its own self-destruction? That's, I, I don't really... I'm playing with this thought in my mind. But yeah, well, the, the ideologues of the internet are of multiple minds on this, and clearly there is um, one strain that is um, is wants it all to be maybe it's anarcho-libertarian and wants everything to be totally free, um, and then there's the other side um, represented by the um, the end, like in net neutrality argument, which is well, corporations have put in all this infrastructure; they should be able to give priority to their traffic. Hmm. Um, so, I, I think that um, it, it is a there is a, a, a debate that it's very old in the internet as to what it should cost and, and what things should cost. Hmm. But yes, it is a problem if things are free, um, and we. We have so much bandwidth right now that we don't really see the costs of it. The costs are in the the interchanges uh, in the data centers and in our time and in our attention. Um, I think right, right, right. I think this is where, if you actually start keeping track of your time and your attention and how it's being um, used and abused, that is where the costs are are right now. Yeah, I, I think I would human, add human time. I would add mental health to that too. Yeah, sure. So maybe what that's pointing to is that we do actually pay for everything, but sometimes we don't see what we're paying until so much has been extracted from us, like attention or mental health. Well, I just think back of all those Facebook posts that I, I put up. I mean, I spent um, probably, I don't know how much time, certainly reading and consuming all of the content that I commented on, hundreds, hundreds, maybe thousands of hours. Um that's super depressing to think about. Yeah, well, and most of it was um, not on things that I remember or that had any life beyond themselves. Of course, you don't know that at the time, but it was just at that point feeling like I was participating in some ongoing conversation. Right, right. Um, yeah, so the, the cost is in our attention. Uh, and so um, uh, I w what I would, would like to see is more human curation. And I think that um, as people... Um, recognize their attention being taken from them by and their mental health and their mental health by um, algorithms and now increasingly by AI and it's which is I mean it's not intelligence it's it's a artificial smartness artificial smartness creating things that are human-ish 
I think we're starved enough for real human interaction. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping that um, uh, I'm hoping that we will um, see um, renewed appreciation for uh, the human element. All right. Well, speaking of the elements, I think our tip for this episode should be get outside, preferably with a friend. Yeah. Yes. Get outside and um, uh, and and pay uh, instead of instead of searching more. Um, ask somebody uh, who knows something, um, not on a forum, but maybe in real life. Excellent advice.